this morning I'd like to talk about uh, the hindrances in meditation, what are called the hindrances. <clears throat> um, as mindfulness develops, uh, we become more aware of the nature of uh, the forces which draw us away from awareness in the present moment, um, in formal practice and in our, also in our active life. So um, we, might, we might have been pulled by sensual desire or driven by anger, and with more mindfulness we become aware of the underlying nature of what is um, pushing or pulling us when when we're not mindful or we, and when we don't understand uh, the nature of of these um, of these hindrances uh, then you know we're more caught up in the content of what it is so you know like my little cup of tea um, example from from yesterday uh, I didn't actually realize the nature of that was sensual desire. Uh, I, I just was focused on the content. You know, I wanted a cup of tea, um, and and so with mindfulness, we're able to see through the whole story, the narrative of what we think that we want, or what we think that we want to get rid of, or uh, what's bothering us, or it impeding us or intruding on us and um, and recognize you know the nature of you know in those cases desire and aversion <clears throat> so so attention our our cultivation of, of mindfulness in the body gives us this capacity to be present with to attend to and become aware of the nature of these uh, these forces these um, uh, what we call these these hindrances and and not get hooked by them so um, so uh, you know rather than just you know getting carried away in the story about I want and I don't want uh, we're we're actually attending to what's arising and what's the nature of it and 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 how how is it manifesting in the body and the mind and in this retreat we're focusing on particularly in the body um, so um, but of course body and mind are not two uh, and um, and that holding of the energy that's manifesting that that's kind of pulling or pushing us into unskillful um, speech or action is um, uh, is held in the mind within a space of openness. Uh, so um, so these these hindrances, they're called hindrances because they're hindrances to our capacity to have clarity of mind. And presence, they're hinder, they're obstacles to our uh, tranquility and our stability of attention. Um, and uh, and the five are uh, sense desire, aversion, restlessness, sloth, 
and torpor and doubt and uh, restlessness and remorse. So they're, they're usually paired, restlessness and remorse. So, um, so, so how do we work with these in, in our meditation practice uh, when, when sense desire arises uh, and we, get, we notice that we're, we're getting caught up in some kind of narrative or, or energetic pull? Um, how do we deal with it? So when there's stability of mindfulness, uh, there's a noticing of the, um, you know, how the mind is getting pulled. And, uh, and we may get caught up in it briefly, but there's enough uh, attention, there's enough uh, presence that we don't get totally pulled away and you know, led down a long uh, fantasy or, um, or story or uh, uh, inner conversation or drama, whatever it is. Um, there's enough, when there's enough mindfulness, there's, we notice what's happening and, and, uh, and instead of getting pulled, there's a um, a, a spaciousness within which we turn our attention toward the whatever is manifesting, and we um, we observe the nature of it, and 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 our breath, and the and the sense of there is a body, the presence in the body, can help us to hold this sense of presence and groundedness and spaciousness, this, um, this presence in mindfulness. And so, so we turn our attention to, you know, say, anger, and we notice that, as the Buddha said in the, in the discourse, we notice the arising, we notice the passing away, we notice the arising and passing away. So we might, we might notice it when it's arising. Um, and, and in that case where we are um, just, you know, attentive and, and where we allow it to simply pass away. Or we might uh, open to it when it is more manifested. It's kind of full-blown or partly blown and and then, and then, as we um, as we attend to it, as we give it space, we're we're noticing it pass away, and 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 then, you know, gradually we're noticing it arise and pass away. So, so these hindrances are hindrances when we get caught in them. Um, they are obstacles to our tranquility and. Um, uh, and presence of mind when when we get hooked. Uh, there are also doorways to wisdom when we turn toward them and we mindfully investigate the nature of them because then we, we recognize that they're not actually 
anything that uh, that does impede our awareness that when that we can be aware with them we can be aware of them and and not uh, and not be at the effect of them so that's so that's a really important thing that happens as we as we become more familiar with the hindrances we um, we it changes our our whole relationship with them so um, so rather than uh, it, you know a story that comes to mind is um, this this person that uh, was attending my weekly sessions in Montreal for for quite a long time would um, you know because of the causes and conditionings of in his life um, he would experience the arising of dread you know just this sense that he called dread and um, and so it was a kind of aversive experience it was fear it was you know resistance and it wasn't you know it it was probably triggered by something but there was actually nothing that was happening in the moment that uh, that was threatening uh, but he was being triggered and these would just these these episodes which were very intense to him would would arise from time to time and you know he said I dreaded the dread <laughs> because it was painful and and he said uh, and with mindfulness practice he began to recognize that um, that he could be with it that when it arose he could turn toward it he could recognize it he could open to it and without resisting it it would move through it would arise it would pass away the resisting of these states is a way of holding on to them because we have to hold on to something in order to push it away <clears throat> so so this is um, so this is kind of the the basic insight or vipassana is the Pali word vipassana um, is more accurately translated as seeing or looking deeply. Um, many of you have probably heard about vipassana meditation. So, this True North Insight teaches vipassana meditation. Insight is simply uh, an English translation of that word. Um, and so this uh, vipassana practice of seeing deeply into the nature, into the impermanent nature that it arises and passes away, um, is is liberating, is deeply liberating. <clears throat> so um, so this is something that um, it really it's a, it's a deep practice, and. Uh, it takes it takes time. It takes uh, returning again and again, remembering you know the mat, the, the sati, the mindfulness. Uh, it takes remembering uh, that 
we need to turn toward it and not run away from painful um, emotions or that we need to even um, even pleasant emotions um, we need to not grasp because when we try to hold on to pleasant emotions then uh, that creates uh, stress and suffering because those also arise and pass away. So the uh, Vipassana approach um, sometimes especially in the beginning of practice it's it's difficult, it's challenging to do that because uh, sometimes the, the hindrances are are really strong and um, and our mindfulness is not so strong. So um, so there are there are some different approaches uh, that we can use. Um, there's a there's a a simile that uh, um, Bhikkhu Analyo uses uh, to talk about when you know mindfulness is strong, and we recognize a hindrance quickly, or when we get caught up in it. He said it's like uh, it's a bit like when you um, are walking to a place, so you have a destination, and you're walking, and um, and you meet somebody along the way. So. So sometimes you meet somebody along the way and, and you just, you know, nod and smile or you stop briefly and you say, you know, hello, how are you doing? Great, you know, well, look at the weather, you know, whatever. Okay, see you, bye. And that's, that's like when mindfulness is, is strong and we, we're, we're maybe a little, a little bit snagged for a moment by hindrance but we don't get really caught up in it but then you know then there are other times when we're walking to our destination and um, and we uh, we meet somebody and we get drawn into a conversation and we sit down by the side of the road and we spend some time talking and we totally lose track of where we were going and so then, you know, then we need to get up and reorient ourselves and uh, and continue on our way. So, so there there are some there are some uh, ways of working with these um, hindrances that are kind of uh, kind of plans of uh, uh, or approaches that um, that are really helpful when sort of that, that clarity of mindfulness doesn't just, um, you know, notice it right away. There are, there are different metaphors uh, when, for when mindfulness is very present. It's like, um, uh, one metaphor is like a snowflake falling into the ocean. And so it just melts right away, you know, it's gone. Another metaphor is like, uh, a drop of water falling on a hot rock just you know evaporates totally so that's when um, our mindfulness is strong um, but uh, yeah it's not always the case um, so um, so the first is sense desire so just want to look at that a little bit and uh, explore that so so what is sense desire so sense desire is the particular kind of wanting 
that seeks for happiness through the six senses of uh, seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, uh, touching, and thinking. And it also includes the desire to replace unpleasant sense experiences with pleasant ones um, and manifests as being distracted by a pleasant experience um, while meditating or caught up with wanting any time of day. So it can be a beautiful memory, it can be um, uh, some you know, wonderful music we've heard, it can be a thought of of eating, of having sex, of wanting some uh, beautiful object, and so on. And sometimes, you know, we can just get caught up in, you know, a whole world of uh, of wanting or something sh- needs to be a certain way. Um, and um, I remember, uh, I remember when I got married. Um, and I was already a pretty experienced practitioner at that time, and uh, and and but all you know, it wasn't a big wedding. It was you know we just had a potluck, and uh, you know it was in my home. Um, but uh, but nonetheless, you know, the mind. I just I just saw how the mind was getting caught up and need to have this, and it needs to be like that, and what about this, and all of this. Um, Wanting and uh, so, I mean, it's okay to plan, but but it's the underlying drivenness that creates stress and suffering. So we can really get caught in these um, uh, in these in this kind of wanting uh, of things, of experiences, and so on. So it's really important uh, as we. Exp- explore these these different hindrances that we recognize that these are not um, it's not that these are somehow sins or that they're bad or it's evil uh, it's that's a very different mindset from the Buddhist teachings it's um, it's what is the effect you know what is the effect on ourselves and on others of getting caught up in in for in this example wanting and um, um, and in a way uh, you know our our desires our sense desires are natural um, and uh, I read I, I read a book fairly recently called um, Why Buddhism is True by uh, it's an evolutionary psychologist named uh, Robert Wright and um, it's not like Buddhism is true the doctrine of Buddhism is you know but but he said the Buddha was right um, you know nature doesn't care about our personal happiness and well-being and contentment and peace. Um, You know, nature, our DNA, cares about the continuation of the species. And so there are so many drives that we have that 
that lead us into um, behaviors that really don't serve our, our happiness, our peace and well-being, nor really the happiness and well-being of others. So, um, so just because something feels natural doesn't mean it's, it's uh, skillful. Um, so, so uh, yeah, I, I found that a kind of a, an interesting highlight about working with these energies. So, um, so yeah, so, so, so just, yeah, just, just going through these to, to describe what they are. Uh, aversion is the impulse to push away, hurt, or destroy. And it can ma manifest as anger, resentment, hatred, antagonism, fear, anxiety, tension, or boredom. And it typically appears justified. Uh, and it easily distorts our ability to make sound judgments. It can um, include ill will toward ourselves and feelings of guilt, blame. So, um, and it can even appear as dislike toward the meditation object, like, you know, boredom with the breath or, or uh, disliking, sensing in the body and rejecting it. So, uh, so it's hard to be with the meditation object. So sloth and torpor. Sloth and torpor is an experience of two, two words that are used to, uh, to describe these experiences that, that are subtly different. Experience of heaviness in the body, uh, dullness in the mind, um, which can lead to us feeling tired, a lack of energy and eventually to sleep. And uh, something brought on um, could be by fatigue, um, but it also can be brought on by aversion, uh, aversion to mindfully um, observing the workings of the mind. Sometimes, sometimes when something is coming uh, in meditation practice, um, we're, we're, we're uncovering layers of the mind and habits of the mind and attitudes and assumptions and beliefs that we've been conditioned to hold uh, in our lives um, and, and conditioned in ways that we're not even conscious of by our upbringing, by our, uh, by our education, by our society, uh, by our experiences. And so, so um, so things emerge, and sometimes when there's a resistance to wanting to um, to uh, to know something, resistance to wanting to see something with a clarity uh, of understanding, um, the mind goes to sleep. The mind uh, wants to just turn off, and so. Um, so the, the Buddha compared it to being imprisoned in a cramped, dark cell, unable to move freely in the bright sunshine outside. So that's kind of the, the flavor of, of uh, sloth and torpor. And then um, restlessness and, remor and remorse. So, um, so these, 
these hindrances are linked because they're both agitated mind states. And uh, restlessness is an unsettled uh, state of mind. So, so the mind is just bouncing around and, and unable to, it's not collected, unable to focus on the meditation object. Sometimes it's called monkey mind. Um, and, uh, and so um, it can arise when uh, something causes us, we dwell on something, it causes us to feel stress, anxiety, or inner tur turmoil. Um, it can also be caused by a critical mind, which is always finding fault, uh, not satisfied with things as they are. So it's connected with aversion in that way. Um, uh, and then remorse is experienced as a feeling of guilt or worry about something that we did in the past or something we believe we should have done and didn't do. And, um, and doubt, and the fifth is doubt. Uh, so doubt is just an, always a questioning of, um, you know, am I doing it right? Uh, is this the right practice for me? You know, maybe I should be doing something else. Maybe I should be chanting. Maybe I should be doing a mantra. Maybe I should be um, focusing more on, you know, studying the teachings. And, and so just not settling on a practice. Um, there's a uh, teacher, a Thai teacher named Ajahn Chah who uh, taught many of the Western teachers and, and he, he described how it, important it is to take the one seat. Uh, it doesn't matter if you um, look around, I mean that's, that's fine to look around and explore what are the spiritual paths that are available to us and certainly in in North America we have so many uh, spiritual paths that are out there um, uh, because of our uh, you know and the global uh, environment the global uh, reality in which we're living now um, different than it was at other times um, but uh, but eventually you know we it's it's really important to choose a way and take the one seat and focus on that and get the guidance that is needed to deeply understand um, the practice uh, and doubt can often be uh, experienced and by many people's experiences self-doubt Am I really able to do this practice? You know, can I really awaken? Can I really become free of all these ingrained habits of mind and uh, all these emotional patterns of reactivity? So that's um, <clears throat> that's a uh, that's an obstacle or a hindrance. So the different ways of working with uh, these these hindrances. Um, uh, so just to repeat, sort of the, the primary way uh, and, the, and the best way and the most liberating way is to uh, notice just the nature, to turn toward the experience. To, so if the mind is ruminating, uh, wanting something, or the mind is is in some kind of drama about 
you know, he did this to me, and she said that to me, and I'm going to do this. So those are, you know, those are grasping, sense desire, or, 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 or anger, uh, ill will, and, and so to turn toward it, to cut through the story, and to recognize what is the, what is the uh, underlying force that's driving that mental rumination. That's, and to, to open to that, to be present with it in the body and mind and recognize its nature and to allow it to move through. So it's not a pleasant, when we're opening to unwholesome experiences, it's not a pleasant experience. It's not, it doesn't, it doesn't feel, um, yeah, it doesn't feel pleasant. Uh, it's, it's actually, we're noticing the suffering nature of those forces. And it's also, at the same time, um, a liberating experience. And so there is a quality of, of joy <coughs> in it because we're, we're seeing that this is the suffering that brings an end to suffering. This is the suffering that, bring, that leads us to wisdom and freedom. So um, having repeated that, there are other, also other ways of of working with sense desire and these other ones which I'm which I'm going to uh, talk about a little bit um, so so when say with sense desire we're wanting something to reflect wisely on the impermanence of the sense experience um, so you know if we're uh, kind of just imagining, fantasizing about some delicious thing to eat that we, you know, we ate before and we're wanting, you know, recognizing, yes, I'll eat it and it'll be, then it'll be gone. It's very impermanent. Or, um, or, or to get some object. Yes, I, I'm going to feel happy when I get that, you know, object and, and then It'll just be an object. <laughs> the little hit of, of you know, that little hit of happiness, will, uh, will you know, dissipate, and uh, and then it'll just be another object I have, um, and uh, and and sexual desire also, you know, to to reflect on, yes, this is also impermanent, and and then there's another way to. Um, to work with that is to reflect on, you know, there's this, this body that I am wanting to have as a, you know, as, as in a sexual experience, um, you know, really what I'm seeing is just the surface. I'm seeing, I'm seeing the skin, I'm seeing the package, but what if I were to take away the skin? What's underneath the skin, um, and uh, and you know that hair that looks so beautiful, um, you know, what about that hair when 
uh, I find it in my food, or, or, uh, or I, uh, you know, or my drain gets clogged and I pull out a whole bunch of hair. You know, so it's not, you know, it's 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 this perception that we have of, uh, you know, this desirability of um, of this, you know, person, this experience. And I'm going to go more into this in the afternoon Dharma talk um, when I go uh, to into the next contemplations in the uh, Satipatthana Sutta um, on, on the parts of the body. Uh, so, so there'll be a whole kind of contemplation to work with that. Um, aversion. So aversion can be overcome by uh, bringing loving-kindness, by um, if it's aversion towards somebody or anger towards somebody, by bringing to mind that you know this person also wants to be happy and at peace and, um, and is suffering, um, especially if they're acting in a way which is difficult. Um, loving-kindness opens us to compassion if it's ill will towards ourself, a loving kindness can help us to forgive ourselves, to accept ourselves, um, and so uh, so we can bring uh, a loving kindness. We can also bring gratitude. Uh, we can even bring gratitude toward difficult experiences. Uh, towards sometimes when we when we get sick. You know, like so many of us just have this attitude, I don't have time to get sick. You know, but getting sick can be the body saying, okay, just stop. You know, you're pushing yourself too hard. And so can we be grateful um, even for that uh, message from the body? Um, Joseph Goldstein uses a, uh, a nice metaphor for uh, bringing loving-kindness to, uh, uh, to feelings of aversion and ill will. He says it's like, you know, you're watching some kind of violent program on TV, and you just say, I'm just going to change the channel, you know. So change the channel, turn on the loving-kindness channel, and... Uh, and just, you know, turn your attention towards something else that is more wholesome, um, more peaceful, and more joyful. So, um, sloth and torpor. So, working with sloth and torpor, um, it, one of the things about it is that if you don't recognize it pretty quickly, then you're asleep. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> So, uh, uh, some of you have been working with sloth and torpor meditation by standing up. That's great. Um, and so, uh, another way to work with sloth and torpor is to you open your eyes. Uh, you can, you know, just take a few minutes and lift your hands up. Um, what you're, what we're trying to do in working with sloth and torpor is to raise the energy. Um, lifting through the spine some more um, and um, 
And even looking at the sensations in the body, what does this sloth and torpor feel like in the body? Um, another way to work with uh, this kind of dullness and sleepiness is, is to uh, direct the mind more, in, rather than having a receptive mind in which we're just feeling the breath. So we can feel the breath, then we can shift attention to feeling the pressure of the body sitting on the, uh, on the bench or on the chair or uh, cushion. We can feel the pressure of the hands resting on the lap and so on. So we're, we're bringing a more directed attention rather than simply a receptive attention and that can energize the mind. And um, yeah, if you're feeling sleepy before you come into the hall, then um, then you know put some cold water on your face, and and uh, and in our daily lives we can um, maybe not push ourselves so hard, uh, get the rest that we need, um, yeah. And then restlessness or remorse. Um, so. Uh, So restlessness is also is often a um, uh, has this quality of impatience. Uh, so so noticing that, um, bringing a sense of contentment, like patience, like okay, it's okay where I am. Whatever's happening in my meditation is what's happening in my meditation, and 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 it's just it's fine. This is. This is where I am right now, and, uh, and I need to be where I am. Um, sometimes uh, calming the mind by, uh, by counting the breath, uh, counting the out-breaths, um, just counting one to five or one to ten. And, uh, and that helps to collect the mind because the restlessness can be uh, a lot of thoughts. And, um, and then also uh, uh, another, another uh, way of collecting the mind using uh, the conceptual mind is saying a word in connection with your breathing. Like um, in the Thai forest tradition, they use the word budo which is, uh, it's the same word as Buddha. And so just breathing in the first syllable, Buddha, Buddha. And, um, and that, can, that can help collect the mind. And it, it can be, uh, you know, just saying the word Buddha can be also kind of inspiring um, uh, and, and help us to rest in an attitude of more trust. So, um, so all of these, there are many different uh, um, approaches, uh, remorse. Um, so when we feel a lot of remorse coming up, it's, it can be a, uh, a, a reminder, a way of um, kind of helping us to remember to, to live with Integrity, so that we don't feel regret and remorse 
for for what we've done, to be more mindful in the moment, um, and to clean up the things that are lingering. So go back and uh, if if we feel that we've spoken in a manner that's harsh, hurtful, or done something that's hurt somebody, to go back and uh, and see what uh, what can be done to make amends to to heal the relationship. And uh, and doubt doubt is um, can can be addressed by um, working with you know a a spiritual friend. Um, Asking your questions, um, and then and then making a commitment to um, say, yeah, I'm just I'm just going to you know I've explored and I'm I'm going to explore this and and also uh, trusting that the Buddha, you know, said, you know, if if I if this if this uh, teaching that I I'm teaching to you. Um, couldn't be realized, I wouldn't teach it. If, if, if you couldn't wake up, if, you, if, if there was uh, no way to, to uh, become free, if, uh, if nibbana or nirvana was not real, then I wouldn't be talking to you about it. So, um, so yeah, and just just to end with um, a reminder that that these hindrances um, are they're called that because they obstruct the clarity of and stability of awareness, and they can also be doorways because when we directly investigate their nature. We change our relationship to them, and we see their impermanent, unsatisfactory, and selfless nature. So let's uh, take a few minutes before the end of this period to, to just sit in silence and perhaps apply these teachings as you, uh, as you find that the mind is pulled or pushed in, in out of um, presence, out of awareness. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.